Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar, but it seems like Reese's name is becoming a lot more referees uh, nowadays, and it's going to get a lot more hot during this episode. So Reese, why don't I just introduce you from now on as referees until we, and until like the Chiefs start to cool down and we start to get some, some better scores and some less anxious matchups how you doing reese do i think it has anything to do with the chiefs cooling down i think it has to do with like hairy hot pockets throwing their flag every chance they see that juan taylor sneezes on someone and could pass a transmittable <laughs> disease personal foul uh i don't know dude it, it sucks we're not gonna talk about that right now because we're just gonna you know, i know reese reese we have, i have to ask you how you're doing and everything you just you're just going right in you have you have your uh you have your fire pit going with a with a referee outfit already yeah, all dude. uh all the Cavs fans when lebron james went to miami yeah no I'm, I'm not about that life right now uh but how are you doing like what's what's going on in your world you can start this week Oh wow! Um, what is going on in my world? Not much, man. I um, I'm home for a little bit. Just been teaching at UNC. Um, what happened? Oh, I tried to go to a 76ers uh, training camp. So so they're hosting the 76ers at CSU in Fort Collins. Uh-huh. And uh, f- well, first of all, why? Like like uh, CSU has like a pretty mid basketball campus, a pretty mid basketball court. Out of all the places that you can go to, if you want to go to altitude, like there's DU has a great basketball facility. Um, Colorado Springs has the freaking like uh, Olympics campus in Colorado Springs where where even you know nuggets and other people train but they decided to come to Fort Collins and I'm just like whatever I live like 15 minutes away from the um from the basketball arena so I I called them and I was like hey I'd love to if if there's any open practices or like any way that you know is there a fans area would love to just see Joel Embiid and James Harden like I have like Wednesday off that'd be fun to go check it out and the the like student like ticket box guy was like I am not allowed to disclose anything when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers coming to Colorado State University. The only thing I'm allowed to say is they are here because of the altitude and that's all I'm allowed to say. Like I, was like, I was like, wait, this didn't have to be some like FBI covert mission that like Joel Embiid has to find all the Da Vinci Code like Declaration of Independence before like a bomb goes off. Like what? What's going on here, man? That's so dumb and that's so weird. I don't know. Do they think that like altitude is gonna like fix Ben Simmons' busted up arm? Is this sort of like Aaron Rodgers' therapy treatment? <laughs> I don't think he's even on the 76ers anymore. Isn't he? Oh. On the, he's on the Nets. <laughs> You're totally right. Sorry, I thought he's on the 70. I keep forgetting he's on the 76ers anymore. Uh, well, well. So they originally reported in Philly on Sunday, and James Harden wasn't there. So, oh wow, I don't, really? I you know, I don't even I don't know if he traveled with the team. Apparently, the Philadelphia 76ers are in Fort Collins right now, but I haven't seen any buzz on Twitter. Um, there's also no strip clubs that James Hardy can go to within like a, a 30 mile radius. So uh, things aren't looking good for the Philadelphia 76ers. And this is boots on the ground giving you a first report right here. Dude, I thought the, the most famous strip club in Colorado was on the Fort Collins campus. And it was called the Ram and Ew. <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> Hey, I thought man. you were gonna make a a, a John Moran joke, and I'm glad you didn't. John Moran, because this is <laughs> nice. Because this is where John John Moran got in trouble for flashing the gun at the at the strip club. He did it here in Colorado. Dude, of course it is. You have like one of those like placemat maps at Denny's of all the stops across the country. John Moran flashed a gun at someone at this point. <laughs> I'm at the like quick trip and and they have a plaque. Yeah, like <laughs> the down in Texas spots, like a Colt 45, like you know somewhere out east, it's like a machine pistol or something. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, uh, how are you doing, Reese? <laughs> uh, so I was in Chicago this last weekend for a wedding for friend of the podcast Sarah Draffin. Uh, it was fun. It was beautiful. We were in Chicago on Saturday and Sunday, and I have to say. You know, I'm, I'm super familiar with Chicago back from my singing days. You know, I used to travel there four right. or five times a season for auditions. 
Oh yeah, because you were in. Oh, I mean, you were in Iowa and then KC for auditions, so that's a pretty, pretty yeah. easy. What three hour, three hour trip? Yeah, it was like it was like a long, every bit of five hours. But I mean, like when you factor in the time of like driving to the nearest airport and flying and layovers, getting to New York, it's like potato potato. Yeah, no, Chicago's totally fly. worth it. Yeah. But uh, no, we super lucked out because like the weather in Chicago this time of year is usually pretty bad. Like fall comes early because of that lake effect. But it was like 78 and sunny both days, which is great because the wedding was right off of the lake outside of this like historic house. So you'd think it'd be like cold and gross, but it was perfect. It was gorgeous and a beautiful wedding. Then the next day, Noel and I had some gluten-free deep dish at Chicago's Pizzeria. Nice. Dude, gluten-free technologies come a long way. Chicago's uh, Pizzeria, is that one of the Giordano's or Lou Malnati's? Yep, it's like the, the third of that trifecta you named the other two. So what'd you? So so because Noel is gluten-free, do you also partake in gluten-free stuff when you go out, or do you order your own stuff? But it makes financial sense, you know, like ordering a small... It, it would make sense for us to each order a small yeah. $15 Do you like pizza. it? I mean, it's it's good. I, I didn't dislike it. It's not as good as, you know, actual gluten deep dish crust. But, you know, sure. for someone that wouldn't know any better, like it wasn't like it was a gross cardboard, you know, mealy weird thing. No, it, it tastes like pizza. Solid. Yeah. Uh, didn't get hit any breweries probably there, unfortunately. It's just the way the... Yeah, we, it, it's kind of bummed. So the wedding... Picture this. So downtown Chicago is kind of like central of what you would consider Chicago. So we were staying in the northwest part of the metro called Skokie at a double tree. And then the northeast part is Evanston. That's where the wedding was. A four- oh, nice. Yeah, that's where North Northwestern is, right? Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of the breweries I wanted to hit up were kind of in like the central west and the southwest part off of the blue line mm. and we just had no business being on that side while we were there because like we went to the field museum the next day you know which is downtown and uh you know soldier field museum dude we got out of the field museum right when the freaking bears game was getting out dude they were all so depressed i felt so bad but so I mean, they they also shouldn't be depressed because like you know Justin Fields looked good, and uh, it just it actually tells us how awful the Broncos are in reality. I mean, for them to let Justin Fields put thirty five and then obviously seventy for Miami, like boy, I, I can't play the I can't wait to play those Broncos, baby. Anyway, I'm hoping so. But uh, yeah, no no beers or breweries other than Chicago. But thanks to this is a quick shout out. Thanks to being in proximity of uh three floyds have you ever had zombie dust from three floyds no i've had three floyds yeah um i think we've even had them at weldworks do a collab uh but Ooh. no i haven't what's zombie dust zombie dust is one it's kind of like their pseudo sue and that it's, it's like their flagship beer Ooh. it's a it's a pale ale but it's got a nice citrusy note to it it's not very malty and i do i tell you what that beer is everything it's cracked up to be which blows oh, wow. my mind because they sold it in one of those 192 cans at the grocery store. Ooh. So I had that while watching the Chiefs. So bad game, <laughs> very good beer. Would recommend. <laughs> did you did you start uh, singing any uh, Taylor Swift songs as you were uh, knocking down a pale ale? What is it like five six percent seven percent? Oh, dude, I was singing all the Taylor Swift catalog, including you know at the very end of the game, it's you. Hi, you're the problem. It's you, Sauce. So. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Did you did you see uh, did you see Brittany Mahomes is now in the entourage of Taylor Swift, Blake Lively, um, Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman? Yeah, dude, she's like what Mickey Rooney was to the Rat Pack, dude. It's just like you name all these like super famous people, and there's Mickey Rooney. And it's like all the super that famous people, Brittany. like Brittany Mahomes. I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's she's part of the Rat Pack. Good for her. You know, I will say, I will just like a not even a hot take, but I think the whole Kelsey and and uh swift being together is is actually a win for britney and a win for pat because it really like takes the onus off of them because i think people just get so bored of uh or they don't get bored but they get so jealous of pat that pat is so good that like they have to find other things in his life you know to really bring him down um yeah i think this is a great distraction and a good win for britney mahomes she can just she can just do her thing now you know no, Take care of the kids and ha- enjoy the games. And Pat can, you know, focus on finding wide receivers uh, with oh. Uh, Brett Veach. Oh, dude, 
please focus on finding some kind of wide receiver. All right, should we should we get actually before we get into it, Reese? Um, why don't we have some people uh, if if they love this podcast, have them donate on Patreon or follow us on social media. Guys, did you know that we're starting a GoFundMe for a slush fund to pay the Chiefs to find a decent wide receiver? All you have to do is go to Patreon. How much is uh, how much is 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 Mike Evans? Uh, Mike Evans is the price of one cup of Starbucks coffee a month <laughs> on patreon.com backslash FCSM. Where you get Mike, access. Mike, Mike Evans' lawyer just like senses so many subpoenas and. Oh, <laughs> uh, cease and desist, baby. Yeah. No. Uh, found City. Uh, hold on. Patreon.com backslash FCSM. Get access to outtakes, bonus content like Season Zero, The Last Dance documentary, and Speedy and Angry, our in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Speaking of which, just a fun fact, uh, Murphy's Law number one is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's Law number two is that on any given flight you're on, there's a Fast and Furious film available for streaming. I'm proud to say there were two Fast and Furious films on the way out of Chicago, and on the flight back, they had added Fast X, three Fast and Furious films to stream. So, yeah, dude. Wait, what What airline was it? Southwest, the only airline to fly. Southwest. It's true. Speaking of which... It's true. Are you flying to the new KCI airport anytime soon? I don't think so. Oh, Is dude. It nice? Find an excuse to. Like, I... I legit thought really? there'd be some part of me. Oh, dude. I, I thought there was gonna be some part of me as like a local boomer that was gonna be like, I miss being able to like walk up to my gate. I get a high five and a sandwich, you know, blah blah blah. No, I, I don't miss a single thing about the old airport after being in the new airport. It's it's incredible. It's up to date. It feels like you're in an actual airport. Uh all what local, restaurants do they have? Uh they're all local KC businesses, so they have like Meat Mitch. Uh let me think. Stockyards got the Primo Brewery space. Um, what else? Uh, coffee, Messenger Coffee. Nice. I think Parisi Cafe. Uh, oh, geez. Sorry, it was so early when we were there. I didn't like take a hard count of the restaurants, but it's all local stuff. It's all great. My one complaint, I will say one complaint, is that it's a single terminal design and it's built like a giant H. So, if you, can, if you imagine an H, you know, you got two vertical lines and a horizontal line. So of the two vertical lines, the front vertical line is like the security check-in, you know, the ticket teller booths, all that. Uh, then the horizontal line is just kind of like a walkway that takes you to the other vertical line that's like all of the gates, A through whatever it is. The only downside is when you're waiting to go to TSA, I don't know why they laid it out like this. You have to like snake up and back like this through like a rope maze so it's dumb because even though there was nobody like in line you're walking 50 yards up 50 yards back like literally five or six times just to get to the open security check-in lane oh boy and it's like guys i'm like come on why, why aren't we doing this like vertically you know line it up vertically so you're just in a line instead of doing this a million times so that's that's my one qualm but otherwise fly southwest out of kci you won't regret it wow okay right shout out to kci hopefully we get a, a sponsorship from kci i think we do have some sponsorships if if anybody is listening on podbean or um or anything that has ads let us know who's in the ads because <laughs> Yeah, right. We just we're, we're just curious. Um, uh, so drop that on Spotify. Drop that on the poll. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's on the ads? Um, all right. Well, why don't we why don't we get into the game? Um, unfortunately, it was it was it was a rough game, Reese. So the the Kansas City Chiefs win twenty three to twenty to the New York Jets. And no, those aren't the Aaron Rodgers New York Jets. Those are the Zach Wilson New York Jets. A lot of strange things happening in this game. I think there are some positives to take from it, but honestly, very few. I think there might be more negatives in this game, in this win, um, than we've seen in quite some time. I think after four games, um, it's pretty clear what the problems are on this team. I don't think any of them kind of came out of the blue during this game. So why don't we chat about it, Reese? Let's um, let's let's go back and forth. What was one thing that really stuck out to you and said, "What's going?" on with this Kansas City Chiefs team so I'll say for one quarter that first quarter 
I was like, oh, the offense is figured out and we're going to be really good. When was, the last, when was the last time we had two no-doubt wins in a season, let alone back-to-back? And then after that... Never in the Patrick Mahomes era. Dude, it was a comedy of errors. It was terrible officiating. It was, you know, Zach Wilson going nuclear for the first time in his career, just making like <laughs> no-look throws. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and I was getting shades, honestly, of the Bengals' AFC title game a few years ago. Oh, which, really? You know, I, I'd, I'd be curious to get your take on this. So, when you think about it, these games are very similar in that the Chiefs are rolling against the Bengals. They're about to put them away, but they get stuffed on that last play before half where they could have taken three, and suddenly their momentum and mojo was completely shot. In this game... We were cruising, we were bruising until suddenly the officials decided to call a safety half a yard outside of the end zone as clear as day. After that, again, it's weird. Our rhythm, our mojo was shot. So because of that, the Chiefs seem to be a very fragile rhythm team. Whereas when they're on, Mm. they're the greatest thing you've ever seen offensively. But when they get off of that groove, they crash like the Hindenburg. So that's why I'm saying I do think the Chiefs, I want to call them showtime, but the Chiefs are the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Golden State Warriors. Wow. What do you think about that? um, Oh, wait, but you're saying that in a negative way that they're the... Yeah. I mean, it's a positive and a negative because, I mean, you've seen it. Like when Steph Curry, you know, goes Super Saiyan and he just like pulls up from, you know, under the other team's basket just because... He makes like four of those in a row just because he's Steph Curry. Right. But other times when they're not in a groove, he can't hit a wide open bucket to save his life. They're one thousand percent a rhythm momentum team. Yeah, no, I I I, I agree with you there, and that's kind of something that I've been saying for a couple of years in a different way. Like I always say that every game becomes some sort of Disney movie where the heroes start winning, and then there's this big conflict. You don't think they're gonna survive, just like Toy Story three, right? They're all holding hands, and they're all about to die, and then all of a sudden they get saved by the aliens um, in Toy Story three, and it's that that is this Kansas City team, and I think I think there's more to it Reese I think yes the the Kansas City Chiefs crumble under pressure when something out of nowhere happens like the safety that we've has never been called in NFL history but I think it's also that it gives these teams a spark right that safety gives Zach Wilson a spark to cook when I when I go back and look at that Zach Wilson film, there's nothing that that Snead could have done better, that Joshua Williams could have done better, that McDuffie could have done better. I mean, Wilson was throwing those like in, you know, an infinitesimal amount of, you know, pocket that should have been there, right? You th- he's throwing it on, on the right hash when no one's there. I mean, just like just enigmas that happen. So, so you know, vice versa, yes, the Chiefs crumble, but any team that they play, just they feel like they took the Michael Jordan secret juice at halftime when it actually was just nothing. Yeah, that, that really does describe it. Because I mean, up to this point in his entire career, Zach Wilson's been like absolutely inept. Doo-doo. I mean, he he's it's like, and I said it again, like just watch. Like next week, he's gonna go back to falling over with nobody touching him and like pooping his pants once he hits the ground. And I actually think that I actually think that they're gonna emphatically win next week because they play the Sean Payton Broncos, who were talking smack about Nathaniel Hackett last, or I mean, the entire season. Hear me out. They might win, but Zach Wilson's not gonna look like this doing it. They're gonna they're gonna oh, grind yeah, no, out totally. some sort of like twenty to. 18 gross disgusting win sort of thing dude zach wilson 245 yards in this game two touchdowns and a couple sacks but two 245 and two touchdowns no interceptions never gonna happen again i agree with you well and the thing too is that like again yes they got a touchdown in the third quarter but it it was really just that second quarter where everything started falling apart because after that i think their final six drives were like punt 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 oh yeah punt fumble punt or something like that so they really cooled down in the second half we just couldn't capitalize or get anything going after we lost the momentum 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch base. So, so now I'll get specific about what you said, Reese. So you, so you said those, you know, the first quarter we looked great and we, we always look great with, with Andy Reid's first 15. So for those of you that don't know, um, every first 15 plays is scripted in the NFL by your, by your coach. And Andy Reid always does a great job because he has time to prepare. But then once those defenses start to adjust, that's when problems happen. So I, I have some stats for you, Reese, as to what I think happened on Sunday. Can you still hear me? I just, I'm looking at my, my phone, my phone stats. Oh, I hear you loud and clear. Wonderful. Reese, what happened in that second and third quarter, you ask? Well, the Jets went from zone to man, and that really had an effect on the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's just talk about specific receivers. Rasheed Rice in zone coverage this year. 11 targets, 11 catches for 127 yards and six first downs. Rasheed Rice against man coverage, five targets, zero catches with one drop. The Jets played man coverage 40% of their of, of their defensive snaps, and when they did, it was typically clamps across the board. Um, what else do we have here? Not only that, but then our guys look really bad in, in coverage, um, specifically MVS, Reese. MVS um, this year has had only nine targets. Juxtapose that to last year in 2022, he had 23 through four weeks. Wow. So, so when you have these defenses that adjust, our guys just can't play man. We've seen our guys, you know, cook in zone, right? We find the soft spots. Kelsey, Kelsey eats in zone coverage. Um, but when you have a team like the Jets, I know we were, you know, pooping on the Jets the whole week, but that defense is still really good. And when you have two elite cornerbacks that can play against our receivers, that can match up against Kelsey, that can match up against Rasheed Rice, I don't know if we have an answer this year, Reese, and that might be fine for the next six weeks, but going into the playoffs when we play elite defenses all the time, I think we got a problem. Uh, We definitely have a problem, and I think this entire wide receiver room is to blame because I think generally speaking, it's like really good wide receivers are the ones that can break man coverage and beat their one-on-one assignments. You know, that's been Travis Kelsey's bread and butter, too. He's great at finding soft spots in the zone, but he's also great at shaking man coverage. But, you know, who's going to do it right now? It's supposed to be Sky Moore. You know, he's supposed to be struggling with zone, not man, like we said last week. But, dude, this week, zero receptions on two targets. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting close to pulling out the word bust on Sky Moore um, overall. No way. No, like, wait, absolutely. Wait, it's just just last week, Reese, you were praising Sky Moore. You were like, Sky Moore to the sky, baby. Dude, but it's like, but what have Reese you done for me? That. What was he done for me recently is the thing. It's like, yeah, he beat up on the Bears. Okay, great. But against anyone with a pulse, and this is going back to last year now, you know, he's, he's got nothing going on. Look, I'm not going to single out Sky right now, but the fact of the matter is, I think this team and the fan base as a whole undervalues how good Juju Smith-Schuster was last year in the Whoa. sense of, I know people are like, well, we still have Marquez Valdez-Scantling and they're about the same level wide receiver. No, they weren't. Juju Smith-Schuster was a very high-end wide receiver too that in this offense was able to be a possession guy, was able to beat man coverage, was able to be there on third down. Dude, that ain't Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and it never has been, minus that Bengals game last year. But right. point still stands. Dude, Bowie's so mad that he just busted hey, down the Bowie. door. He's like, he's like, hey, we ripping on Sky Moore right now? Let me in. Dude, Bowie's got that dog in him. I wish some of these receivers did. <laughs> yeah, Reese, let me, let me show you some of these targets here. So, of course, Travis Kelsey is the most targeted on this team with nine targets. After that is Rasheed Rice, who played okay. Rasheed had uh, three receptions on those five targets. But then after that, everyone, you know, Noah Gray had three targets. Kadarius Tony had two targets, which were great. Like, we found him. He was two for two. But like you said, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantley, maybe I'm, I'm wondering if, like, you and I go back to, to the Packers offense and how successful MVS was. I wonder if he was successful in that in that zone coverage or when Devontae Adams, you know, was double covered or, you know, something that was exposed. Because like you said, he just, like, he's fast and we've established that. But is he fast in man coverage? right is he fast when you have an elite defender on you and like you said yesterday last week 
and it's proven this week as well. He doesn't have it, man. No, he really doesn't. I mean, are we just are we just gonna turn this into like our wide receiver just grill segment right now? Should we just do yeah, that? Yeah, why not? Keep going. Yeah, who else do we have to talk about? Dude, so I want to say a little bit of good stuff is Rashi Rice. I still think yeah, at this fine at this point in the season, the one definitive thing I can say is that Rashi Rice has been our best wide receiver so far. He's you know he's not blowing things up, but I would say and he shouldn't be. No, he's he's a rookie wide receiver from SMU. My only concern with him so far, I know he's got the drops, but you know Jamar Chase had the drops his rookie year until he figured it out. Uh, it's the fact that again he doesn't have any great separation from man coverage. He's doing good at filling in that Juju slash Kelsey thing and finding the soft spots in the zone. And he's also probably been look he's he's been our most consistent wide receiver throughout the season so far. Uh, I'm looking at his game splits right here. So week one. Three receptions, 29 yards. Week two, two receptions, 20 yards. Week three, five receptions, 59. And against the Jets, three receptions, 32. None of our other wide receivers have at least about, you know, 25 to 40 yards per game. Their flashes in the pan. Rasheed Rice, he seems to be someone we can lean on. So... Yeah, absolutely. And, and and to further that, Reese, um, I have some usage stats for Rasheed Rice. I think Patrick Mahomes is finding a rapport with Rasheed Rice. I think we're going to see a lot of Rasheed Rice come playoff time. And I think I think even, you know, at late season, I think Rasheed Rice is going to solid like be wide receiver one solidly solid. I don't know what I want to say. Solidified there. Yeah, wide receiver one. So, solidified wide receiver one. So in week one, Reese, the usage rate for Rasheed was 31%. Week two was 18%. But then weeks three and four, week three, 51% usage rate. Week four is 46% usage rate. I mean, those are like off the charts for a rookie wide receiver. And I think we're starting to see some rapport, which is great, man. And look, look, Kelsey still looked great. Great. I know. I know that we didn't see a lot of Kelsey, but when we did, and he did find those soft spots this game, like he he did well. Um, it's just it. Like yes, this is fine against the Jets, but Reese, my my panic meter is is going up is going up with this Kansas City Chiefs team because can Patrick Mahomes week after week after week, um, you know, if he can't find anything in man coverage, is he going to be able to rush for 70 yards a game and win us every single game? I don't know, Reese. I don't know if that can happen, especially against the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs or even the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs where their defense looks really good or hell, even even the best defense in the NFL right now, the, the Cleveland Browns. What if, what if Deshaun Watson starts cooking in the late half of the season and then we play them in a in a freaking like divisional game you know what i mean or not divisional game but you know what i mean in, in an afc playoff game like i don't i don't want to play a good defense w- that can cook us in man coverage well so here's my hot take for the podcast Are you ready I'm, I'm gonna throw some hot takes let's hear it hot take reese the chiefs get emphatically blown out in the afc division round this year and you see Brett Veach fix the wide receiver room the way he fixed the offensive line after that Super Bowl. Whoa! Give me, give me, give me three teams that you think would would blow us out in the divisional round. Um, I think it's hard to say right now. The Bills. My asterisk with the Bills is, and they're doing it again this year, they're flexing so hard and like inhaling the smell of their own farts in the regular season. Like, look at us. We just put up 48 points, three straight games. But we've seen this every year with them. Like, they beat up the regular season. Then they get beat up over the span of the regular season by doing that. And come, you know, playoff time, they're running on fumes. Uh, But that being said, it could be the Bills. Uh, I think the Ravens. You know, with that rushing mm-hmm. attack could really wear down our defense and, you know, we could get blown open in that game. Uh, other AFC yeah, l- teams. L- l- Lamar Jackson and, and uh, Mark Andrews are cooking. Yeah, I, I would say those are probably the two. Oh, the, oh I forgot. Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins could wind up blowing us out, too. You know, I think they came back down to earth pretty emphatically that they are not this transcendent legendary offense. Right. But they got a lot of speed and they got a lot of playmakers. And again, if we can't do anything offensively, particularly through the air, you know, I I don't want to get in a boat race right now with any of these teams. Sure. And and 
unfortunately, another negative about this game is that you're going to have guys like Bill Belichick. You're going to have guys like guys on the, you know, Houston Texans to Marco Ryan. They're all they're, they're all going to be watching that Sunday night game over and over and over again. And they're going to copy what the Jets did. They're going to say, wait a minute. They, they just shut down this Kansas City Chiefs offense in the second half. What did they do? And and we're going to see some of these mid-teams that have elite corners that they can say, you know what, we can actually copy what the Jets have done here and really force Pat to either win it with his legs and force Pacheco to win it with his legs or, you know, force Rasheed Rice to have three touchdowns. So that that's my biggest concern is that it just looks like we don't have – this showtime offense anymore we, we don't have this you know 45 50 and because even that like 45 um point game that we won there there, there, there wasn't a lot of those Tyreek Hill you know going out open you know wide open in coverage like the, I I think I think those days are done Reese and dare I say we we might have to adopt a Zach Taylor Joe Burrow offense check down offense Oh, yeah, exactly. Checked on offense with some of the best weapons in the league. Uh, no, I'm just going to say Chiefs fans, I hope you get used to man coverage because that's going to be the new version of the cover two show with bracket yeah. help on Kelsey and Tyreek. We're just going to see this every week from now on until any of these wide receivers show that they can beat man coverage. Which, speaking of which, uh, I want to exonerate our offensive line from any crap they're getting right now. They're like, oh, they can't protect Pat. Ooh, he's getting, he's getting... Transition to referees. Let's Dude, hear it, baby. No, I'm just saying, like, they can't keep Pat upright forever if these receivers can't get any separation. Yeah, yeah no, Pat had a lot of time in the pocket. Yeah, there, there, there should be no flack of the O-line, like especially what happened um, this past week. But Reese, this is a good segue into referees because not only is our offensive line getting flack there, but it looks like Juwan Taylor is still getting some flack with the with the NFL. So referees is back. Reese, give us update number two on Juwan Taylor versus the NFL. So I have to say, first things first, hats off to Chris Collinsworth for not mentioning anything about anything he said week one wow. or even jokingly alluding to it. So here's a guy that knows when to shut his mouth. Good job. Uh, secondly, though, the chips just keep on falling in this fallout that is week one witch hunt on Juwan Taylor. I watched at least twice in this game where the Jets tackle took off, you know, half a step early and was lined up pretty deep. Not unlike Juwan Taylor. I'm like, oh, surely they're going to flag this, right? No, not at all. Now. To my best of my knowledge, Dewan Taylor did not get called for legal formation this game, which is great. However, because they have him under such a microscope, they're watching for things like offensive face mask on the right tackle, which is something that I, I cannot remember the last time Never I've seen, seen that call. Ever. Ever. Which, you know, I, I had this conversation with somebody at work. It's like if if the NFL said focus in on the most random linebacker. And just just watch them because they have a tendency to do this. Of course, their penalty percentage is going to go through the roof because they're getting watched like a hawk. So other things are going to stick out to the officials and be like, oh, yeah, I should flag that. Oh, yeah, I should flag that. And that's still what's going on with Jawan Taylor. It's a big problem. Mainly, if you're going to call a safety on an offensive face mask... That happens outside of the end zone that even all the commentators and the mm-hmm. NFL rules analysts said happened outside the end zone. What are you supposed to do? When um, To follow up your face mask question, when's the last time that the media has actually ever talked about the offensive face mask? I found one article, the re- most recent article, November 13th of 2016. Really? Almost eight, almost eight years ago, there was another incident where everyone's like, "What the, what the hell is offensive face masks?" We we haven't seen it, but predominantly in eight years. Well, and you didn't see it eight minutes later in this game when we had called for a phantom horse collar from the front, which again the commentators and rules analysts say is literally impossible. But what goes on? Our dude gets grabbed by the face mask and literally pulled down to the point that he's like kissing his own sternum. And it's so funny because it was like, oh, well, you see what happened was like 
uh, when Juwan Taylor had that face mask, yeah, he grabbed the face mask outside the end zone, but the twist didn't happen until the end zone. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's my bad then. So our dude, the guy, offensive face mask, like, he didn't get his head twisted. He got his head yanked. Oh, yeah, a yank is totally different than a twist, which is why it wasn't called, right? These are the details we're getting into here. No, it's, it's pathetic. And it's just like, especially with that safety, that was a scoring play. That right. means all scoring plays are reviewed automatically. How there's not one person in the booth or in New York that says, hey, this is going on half a yard outside of the end zone. It's not a safety. Dude, it's the same thing with forward progress where it's like, hey, yeah, he gets tackled in the end zone, but he technically gets like starting to get tackled half a yard before the end zone. Therefore, that's not his forward progress in the end zone. It's the same thing. So people haven't said a peep about the Jets' second touchdown, which I don't know if you watched the replay, comes as the result of Mike Dana getting his helmet punched off by the right tackle. Oh, yeah, and, and Mike Dana's still, like, still make, he's still playing, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. But who gets beat on that play? Justin Reed. Why? Because he trips over the helmet that gets punched off of oh, Mike wow. Dana's head. This was that back shoulder fade route to, like, uh, right. the, I think the tight end in the Lazard. right corner of the end zone. Yeah. Dude, it's just... How do they not notice this? Do they think Mike Dandy just took his own helmet off in the middle of the play for funsies? Yeah, and and and, and we do have a lot of non-Chiefs fans that are talking about some other plays. Um, again, I, I think I think they all even out, right? Like there's there's so many different plays that we can dissect that the referees have missed. Um, but but even some of the ones that people think that are egregious. So we have we have the Juwan Taylor hold that everyone keeps talking about as well, which actually is a legal play. Reese, if I may, I have a little comment on that. Oh, uh, um, the, the Donovan Smith hold on the third and twenty-two. Was that Donovan? I thought it was Juwan. It was Donovan on the left-hand side. Which I speaking see. of speaking of which, yeah, that hold so didn't get called. The refs are trying to help us, which is exactly why they called back two of our first down runs on that drive on holding penalties. <laughs> get your bronies. Exactly, exactly. So I actually I, I would like to educate the public, especially for our non-Chiefs uh, fans here that just want to rag on the Chiefs. So that hold that Donovan Smith had is actually a good no call because his hands stay inside the frame of the shoulder pads. If the blocker's arms get extended to the side and the rusher isn't in front of him, but he's trying to hold on, then it's an offensive holding penalty. Yep, 100%. I think uh, Jeff Schwartz came on the radio and talked about this, and there was one other person on Twitter who I forgot broke down the game film, but it's like you said, he has him by the inside of the jersey, his arms are never fully extended on him, and the fact that like he keeps him literally parallel in front of him, he is just getting locked down. The fact that he right. can't get away is his own fault. What people mm -hmm. said he should have done in that situation is try to do a rip move or a swim move out of there. Because in that case, if he's still holding on to him, then he's got something that looks like a holding because he's trying to get around Donovan Smith. But he's not. He's just standing there frustrated and tired. He can't get around Donovan Smith. So he punches him in the helmet twice, which also does not get called. It's not a hold. It never was a hold. I don't know what Jets fans are clamoring on about. And to, to end that, um, you know, a reiteration from our last week's podcast is all the Kansas City Chiefs fans out there, Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor are playing great. Like, oh, still, yeah. do, do not let these offensive holds, do not let this automatic safety, don't let any of this BS get to you. These guys are loads better than Andrew Wiley, loads oh. better than Orlando Brown Jr. I mean, we like Pat is staying up like, yes, Pat. Pat um, did have a sack in this game, but again, a lot of that is just our wide receivers are not getting open, which we've already talked about. So, um, so yeah, I just still have hope for this offense, but man, I really hope Pat and Brett Veach are in the office right now. They're looking at all the free agents. They're looking like, can can Mike Evans still cook? I think so. Can I can I give him some of my contract? Hey, just screw it. Let's let's let's, let's re restructure my restructure and let's get Mike Evans on board or somebody, man. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's go into the beer review now that we've talked about the offense a lot. And then, oh, we got one more thing. We haven't even touched the Sauce Gardner hole, dude. I know, I know. We're already almost 40 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> I'll just say this. I'm sorry. I'll just say this. What concerns me the most is that after all of these Chiefs primetime games, 
more and more often the narrative, not just with the fans, but also with like the national media the next morning is like, yeah, man, the Chiefs really got away with a controversial win there by help of the officials, rah, 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 rah. No. You saw it after the Bengals game in the playoffs when our, when Mahomes gets pushed out of bounds. Like, well, you can't call that there. Okay, so you just don't let rules get called in like the end of games. Play by the rules. Same thing in the Super Bowl with that, uh, what was his name, Bradbury, when he held and straight up said he got yeah, held. And there's multiple camera angles showing that he gets held. And they're like, well, it was a controversial. You can't call that. Do you just stop calling penalties in the last minute just because you can't call that? Sauce Gardner straight up held MBS on that route twice. And I know he's like, well, MBS ran into me. Okay, did he run into you and then like caress his hands to grip his shoulder pads very tightly and not let him go? Like, was that something that I missed happen on this play? Because no, you grabbed him twice. Sauce got burned. You know, I almost said this earlier, but I didn't want to sound like whiny in the group chat. I've watched you Sauce sound whiny in the group chat. I've watched Sauce for a year and a half now. Yeah, he's a talented guy, but he's one of those cornerbacks that's as big as he is because he plays very physical, and he's incredibly grabby. He is incredibly yeah. grabby. So the time he actually gets called out and burned for it, it's like, cry me a river, dude. You can't just hold teams every play and be like, I'm elite. And it's like, no, you hold all the time. That's why Trent McDuffie is such a unicorn, because he is not a very physical corner. He doesn't play grabby. He yeah. shepherds dudes away using his hips. Sauce got his hips turned around, which is why he felt the need to grab MVS. That's what set the whole thing off. Mahomes threw that into dead space to draw attention, which is yeah, why he was he knew, pointing yeah. to it before he even happened. Good night. Cry me was, River uh, Jets fans. <laughs> absolutely. But talking about that, that pat play, and again, we're already going pretty over, so I'm cool. I'm um, just talking about this briefly, but but that was a ballsy move by Pat. <laughs> it was. Like, it'd be, it'd be, like, I know Pat saw it, but at that point in the game, when the refs are not calling those things, right? Like that easily could have been an interception, easily could have been a pick six or something going the other way, and he had already had a couple of plays. Like that was ballsy. Of course, we win, and that ends up being a crucial part of it. But like nine times out of ten, I don't know if that works. So no, that's off Pat, but man, boy, boy, did you scare me on that play? I agree with you hundred percent on that one. Like when he did that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's done that twice already in the game. I can't believe he did it a third time, but I heard a lot of quarterbacks and like analysts talking after the game and on the radio today saying like, that's what they train you to do sometimes wow. is to throw it to those spots and draw attention. Now in a game like that, I wouldn't expect to get called, which is why it was so ballsy, but yeah, good on Pat. And and after two interceptions, that's that's what made me shivery. Because like you said, like like he already did risky thing. I mean, he didn't intentionally throw two interceptions. But after throwing two interceptions, you would think you'd play a little more conservative. But that's Patrick Mahomes, baby. He's just he's wild. He's he's always taking chances. He's gonna win the game. So uh, thanks for the game, Pat. But uh, maybe not do that again. Absolutely. Reese needs a beer, so we're going to go into the beer review, talk some beer, and then we're going to talk about the uh, the Minnesota Vikings and we'll. Taylor Swift, go to U.S. Bank Stadium. Stay tuned. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for a much-needed beer. I've uh, been talking a lot of negative things. Even though we won that game, Maurice, man, we just... Got a lot of a lot of can of worms to open, and all the can of worms have, have made our mouths dry. So, Reese, it's time to open up a beer. For those of you that um, haven't been listening for for the past couple weeks, our beer review is a special beer review this month because it is that's right, hunt for Red October fest. Reese, I don't think I've ever even seen Sean Connery in a movie or anything. Really. You did, wait, you, you never saw James Bond? Nope. The originals, really? Never seen the originals. What about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Mm. You totally did. That's not the one with the dude that wears the suit, the young kid that wears the suit, but he's an assassin? Uh, are you sure you're not thinking? That's the Kingsman. Are you thinking of the Kingsman? 
Yep, Kingsman I have not seen. Okay, he's not in Kingsman. Whatever he, movie you just saw. He's in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is that one... It came out in like... Never seen it. Oh three, really? It had like... Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah, then I, I'm trying to think of like other... Fam- <laughs> he's in Hunt for Red October. That's where the joke comes from. Uh I, th- I mean, I've probably seen Hunt for Red October with my dad oh. when I was like seven. Hold up, hold up. You've never seen Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade? No. Oh, my gosh. Hold up. I don't want to spend 20 minutes trying to find a Sean Connery for Armando <laughs> scene. Uh, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of Indiana Jones, but never sat down and watched all of one. Okay, hold on. Uh, he's in so many films. Uh, Meteor, the Molly Maguires, no, 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 no. Nope. Uh, the Avengers, but not the one you're thinking of. Uh, oh. <laughs> Highlander, you ever see Highlander? Nope. Dragonheart? No. Nope. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm, is that the Mel Brooks one? No, that's Robin Hood, Men in Tights, that makes fun of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Then no. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, so anyway, fun fact about Sean Connery before we dip out here and go to the beer review. So, Sean Connery was in, uh, oh crap, I think it was maybe Entrapment that didn't do so well, and then he was offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, which, no way, which remember, when those books were being made, like, there, people didn't think there was any way you could adapt that, they thought it was gonna be terrible, so Sean Connery was offered the role of Gandalf for it was like... 50% of all box office... No, it was like 30% of all box office revenue the film did. So he didn't think it was going to do that well, so he passed on it and did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen instead. And I think it, it's like the number if he would have stayed and done Gandalf is he would have made something like just under a billion dollars or something like that. Oh my god. So because he whiffed because of Entrapment being a flop and then whiffing on Gandalf, not taking that role, and doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which underperformed, that's when he said, like, I think the industry's passed me by and I can't sniff out a good, like, what's going to be a success at this point, so I'm going to retire. Wow. It's interesting. How do you know that? <laughs> it's, uh, I think it showed up as, like, a, a Today I Learned on Reddit a few years ago. Yeah, it's oh. if if you look up Sean Connery Gandalf, like the number he would have made if he would have taken that role was just insane. It, it's up there with like George Lucas getting all the merchandising rights to start uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, wow. Anyway, wow. The more you know. Yes. Well, and with that, then I need to I need to dissect that in my brain and sip my beer. So why don't we open up your beer too, Reese? Uh, what do you have for us today for our Hunt for Red Oktoberfest extravagance? <laughs> Man, so I kind of failed on this one. Uh, it is technically the last day of Oktoberfest today. Uh, so this would make us our last hunt for red Oktoberfest. It went by so fast. Well, I mean, Holy we, crap. We talked about this. It was a really weird early one. It was basically September Fest this year. Like, it happened like, wow. yeah, September 10th through like October 3rd. So unfortunately, I don't have another Oktoberfest to share, but I do have a red beer to share. Uh, so today. Let's hear it. My last of my return trip from Wisconsin, I have from New Glarus Brewing Company, Wisconsin Belgian Red to share with you. Okay, Wisconsin Belgian Red, excellent for Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. Go ahead and open up that beer. There we go. It's a bottle and bottle cap. Nice. It's a little tricky. So Armando, how do we review beers in this show? So while Reese pours it into a beautiful glass, we rate our beers from 0 to 10, zero, 0 being the worst of the category, 10 being some of the best of the category. And the first category that we are going to review is appearance. So Reese just poured that into a glass. Let us know what that red ale or red beer looks like. Is it red? Is it brown? Is it green? Oh, oh, holy moly, that's red. It's very red. It's like a very dark cherry red, almost kind of like a red leather sort of color. Uh, Even the head has like a slight strawberry red hue to it. It's got a very... Is it dyed? It's not dyed. So according to this, so I'll read the bottle legend. You hold the marriage of wine and beer. Belgian red is a tapestry of flavor. This ale brewed with whole... I can't read what that says. Uh, Mont 
Morency cherries, Wisconsin farmed wheat and Belgian roasted barley is balanced by hops. We aged in our brewery one full year and then aged in oak vats. So it sounds like it's going to be kind of like a wine beer hybrid, but with cherries instead of grapes. Wait, what is the style? It said red ale. Uh, it says red ale. So I, my gut says this is going to taste like a cherry wheat, but we're going to find oh, out. God. So appearance, Uh-oh. appearance. It's a unique appearance color. Not a whole lot of carbonation. Very foamy head. Uh, I'll give appearance on this probably like a seven four. No, seven three. All right. Seven four seven three on the fake cherry wheat. Reese, give us a give us a sniff on that beer. Let us know. Um, is it does it taste sweet then? Is it or does it smell sweet like cherry? So this was interesting. Is it smells like a cherry oh. Tootsie Pop? Which uh oh. So I've only ever smelled one beer that smelled like this before. Two technically. Uh, and it was Dimatap? No. Uh, did you ever have <laughs> Rosetta from Oma Gang when you were in Cooperstown? No. So Rosetta is Oma Gang's version of, I think it's, who puts it out? It might be Deschutes. It's called Brunetta or something like that, uh, which is an old Brune style. So we're getting into like some Belgian fruited beer territory here. So my guess is going off of this nose, which smells like a cherry Tootsie Pop, which tells me barley. Barley gives chocolate, cherry chocolate, Tootsie Pop. Uh, mm. I'm going to say the aroma on this is actually an 8-4 because I like how that smells. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. 8-4. That's, that's high remarks for our friend Reese. Now we have our favorite category, but now I'm really intrigued what this is going to taste like. Reese, go ahead and um, let us know what the flavor is on this red. Ooh, she good. And uh, Circle takes the square. I do think this is kind of an old Brune style, technically. Uh, which would make sense if it's a Belgian beer brewed with cherries and they emphasize the barley aspect of it. So I don't know if they still make it, but if you do find Omegang Rosetta, this is probably the closest thing to that. I would actually say this is probably better than Rosetta. It tastes a little more authentic. I was worried you probably had it before a million different ways, like a cherry wheat cough syrup tasting beer. That's just kind of gross. Uh, I had a, yeah. Um, Sam Adams cherry wheat is the worst beer I ever had in my entire life. I had one worse. I'm, I can't remember where it was from, but when I was up in Wisconsin with my sister, we went to a brewery. I, I did have a cherry wheat, and it was just like, oh man, it's like not to knock the brewery because their hazy IPA was phenomenal, but hmm. the cherry wheat was not. Uh, so the fact that this is really good, and I think it is an old brune style, which you don't see too much of. I'm going to get flavor on this actually, probably like a nine two. Wow, Reese loves this beer. I'm I'm shocked, and this is New Glarus. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, they're so weird in that like they knock some of these out of the park, and the other ones are just like, you know, put in the mid and midway. Man, this this sounds like an offense that we just talked about for about forty minutes. Yeah, right. Not too far off. All right, Reese, then we have mouthfeel. Go ahead and take another sip and let us know. A red ale, actually, I don't really know of that category very well. Um, Heavier, lighter, kind of both? Well, so it's not a red ale like an Irish red ale or something like that. Those are very malt forward with a little bit of hop in there. Uh, Mouthfeel on this one, it's actually, it drinks like juice, like a heavier juice. Uh, But you actually get a lot of tang in the sides of the tongue, which my guess is coming from that cherry juice. Uh, it goes down very smooth, though. Not a whole lot of carbonation. I would say the mouthfeel is not too different from, like, grape juice. Like, got a bit of that heft to it. Huh. So oh, That's nice. Yeah, I'm going to say mouthfeel on this is is pleasant, very drinkable. Uh, 8.3. Wow. High remarks across the board. Then we have our last category, Reese. That is Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. Um, how does that beer make you feel? Look at the can art. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't read some of the font. So how does that make you feel? Yeah, right. Well, I'm gonna focus on the beer here real quick. So as I mentioned, it's a very drinkable beer just purely through the mouth feel. Uh, I need to double check this here really quick. But 
Yeah, so the other thing making this beer really drinkable is the ABV on it is 4.0. So this is less than like Bud Light in terms of alcohol. So it's got a great flavor. It goes down easy. It's not going to hit you too hard. This is, by definition, drinkability quotient here. So for that reason, I have to give it a high drinkability quotient of 9.6. Not, not saying this is Mount Crushmore worthy, but it's a very unique style that once again, New Glarus pops out doing something like this that not everyone else is doing. Very exciting, very good. I would say the closest you might find would probably be that Rosetta, or you've probably seen it before, Leafman's. It's a Belgian beer, comes in a 750. It's wrapped in like blue tissue paper. You might, mm, you might or might not. See I would it. recognize it if I saw it. Yeah. So I, my guess is now you will see it because I, I pointed it out. But yeah, those are probably the better examples of this style. But this guy is right up there with them. So nine six. Wow. I mean, definitely the best cherry wheat style beer that we've reviewed on the podcast. So um, high remarks from referees today on this new Glarus Red. Um, Great. So let's go ahead and come out of this uh, beer review and we'll finish off the podcast talking about Taylor Swift and the Minnesota Vikings. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And no, we're not going to talk about Taylor Swift. I was just trying to get the Swifties to keep listening to the podcast because that matters on Spotify of how long someone listens to the podcast. And I hope that would help. But um, Reese, I doubt Taylor Swift is going to go to this game, right? Um, In Minnesota? You know, I I think she's probably hit her limit right now because I'm with you. It's like you go to a Chiefs home game, so you see your boo play at home. You go to the Jets game because it's in New York and your entourage can be there with you. I don't know why you would go to Minneapolis for a third week because I almost think it'd be more talk if you didn't show up than if you did at this juncture, regardless mm. where the game was. So I don't think so. Probably not. No, stay tuned. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's Vegas odds on that. Uh, so you should you should place a bet on that from Found City Sports Media um, because we know our numbers here, Reese. And that's right. We're going into our Grundler's numbers segment. So today we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs Minnesota Vikings matchup. We're going to face a one in four Vikings team. Um, but again, it's a very strange one in four Vikings team. Like, yes, they just beat the the 0-4 now Houston Texans. But Reese, Kirk Cousins has been cooking. So I asked our analytics guy, Will Grundler, what's going on with this with this Minnesota Vikings team? And is it something that we should worry about going into week five? Um, and here's what he came up with. So he's so he went into the lab, he's crunching the numbers, and he says, you know what? Kirk Cousins is cooking. Let me let me read some of those cooking numbers for you, right? now so right now Kirk Cousins is first in the NFL in completions he's first in touchdowns he's third in passing yards and sixth in QBR rating and apparently what's going on Reese is that they just aren't having any luck on the ground with Alexander Madison and no luck with Cam Akers because unlike what Buffalo Mike might say that the rushing attack is dead in the NFL. I don't think so. I think it's really correlating with it. Doesn't matter how much you can cook as a quarterback. If nothing's happened ground and pound, then your offense becomes very predictable. So right now it looks like the Vikings are 31st in rushing yards. They're 32nd in turnovers, um, namely 32, uh, 32nd in fumbles lost. They're 31st in rushing touchdowns and they're they're 21st in third down conversion so pretty pretty bad in third down and and in rushing but also Reese looks like they're not doing well defensively as well they are 27th and fourth down conversions allowed 25th in turnover production um, they're 25th in passing touchdowns allowed and 25th in interceptions so I was a little concerned about this game going into it but after Grundler's numbers I'm feeling pretty good against the Vikings how about you Reese? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, It's kind of a weird game, and I think this is probably going to be the biggest test for our defense so far this year. Just because there are a lot of weapons on this team, 
Like, uh, the Mattson-Akers combo at running back is pretty solid, but then you have the best wide receiver in the game with Justin Jefferson. We're going to have to figure out how to guard. You got TJ Hawkinson, who's playing like a top three tight end this season. Jordan Addison, who's having himself quite a nice rookie year up to this point. You know, there's a lot of players on offense that can play for this Vikings team. Uh, Their defense, I wouldn't say is horrible, you know, they should have beaten the Bucks. They lost 2017 there. They gave the Eagles a good run, only losing by a touchdown in that game. Chargers put up 28 points on them, but Chargers have a pretty good offense. Uh, you know, so it's not like a bunch of teams are blowing them out by like 35 points every game. So, dude, in Minnesota, I'm hoping that this Jets game woke the Chiefs up because this could be a pretty easy game to lose if they're not paying attention. Yeah, I think the reason why we've been losing is our offensive woes as opposed to our defensive woes. And if we're going to play a mid to low mid, is that even a word? So we got a mid defense, but like, you know, a poor defense, it looks like in some aspects of this Vikings team. I think this is the rejuvenation that we need, right? We might see some better looks. Also, if we're running a lot of man coverage, that actually might be a good time to employ the sky more slant option right we didn't see a lot of slants happening last game and i was wondering why i was like if they're playing man i was like sky more cooks in in slants and so does tony you know rasheed rice we got we got some guys that can really incorporate so so look for that um a hot take mondo take i think i think we're gonna see a lot of slants going on in man coverage over there so i think this is the spark that we need offensively um, defensively, you're right. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Like, this is the barometer for Trent McDuffie, for Joshua Williams, for um, Legereus Sneed. They're playing absolute studs, you know, probably right now, probably the, the most talented offensive core if, if we are, you know, trading it with the demise of the Bengals, right? The Bengals aren't even close to being this elite team anymore. So this could be the, you know, the most stacked offense in the NFL. And I'm really looking forward to to it i want to see our guys go to battle i want to see you know um i, I want to see our, our defensive line just cook kirk cousins um so i'm looking forward to it reese but i think it's going to be a great game for us so how about it's our it's our pick me up game it's our catch game um how about 31 to 23 31 to 23 oh man i have a hard time seeing us scoring 31 points i i can see us winning this potentially I think 24-23 might be on the books coming in, to be honest. Yeah, because one thing to remember is that Mahomes historically has not played great in dome stadiums, which is a fact we brought up on this show before. Mm -hmm. And especially since last week, you know, he seemed to have a little bit of trouble with his touch. It's usually his touch in the domes that he's not having a good time with, whether it be having no weather elements to plant against or the weird artificial turf to plant against. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be an ugly 24-23 win, hopefully. Wow. Reese, how, how concerned are you about Pat's ankle after seeing um, two interceptions that look identical to each other when he's planting off the, the wrong uh, ankle? I would say I am a very quiet 7.5 to 8 concerned on his ankle because it wasn't just the two interceptions that he couldn't step into when he was floating them. The touchdown pass to Noah Gray had the exact same footwork where he kind of stepped into his forward foot. Uh, The third interception that got called back where he tried floating it to MVS was the exact same thing where he stepped into his forward foot. Uh, You can see when he's running too, it's like he's just a little bit slower. He looks like, you know, prime Ben Roethlisberger running right now. (gasps) Excuse me. Yeah, so... You know, that's that's the hottest take of all, man. Well, I mean, Jesus. He, he's a little <laughs> faster than Prime Ben Roethlisberger, but like he's doing that same thing, which is like he looks like he's putting so much effort for not a whole lot of speed. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as he looked like Ben, like Big Ben, but. Um no, I, I, I thought, look, yes, like he he lost a tick or two when it comes to uh, running the football. But like 
still unabashedly right found space and just went for it um was okay with finding contact um so i'm not so concerned about him being mobile but absolutely seeing those back-to-back plays i didn't catch the the gray touchdown and the um and the rashid touchdown or the other touchdown that you referred to i actually didn't see that um so that makes me more concerned that you saw four throws all planting on the front foot um yeah, I don't know, man. I, maybe I'm like a five or six because um, when we've seen other Patrick Mahomes ankles injuries, he's not mobile. He stays in the pocket. He doesn't roll out and just tries to make a play. We're here. It, it looks like he is trying to be mobile. It doesn't seem like he was phased by it. But again, this is kind of a unique thing where we're seeing it on him, you know, throwing and throwing on another foot. Uh, makes me a little concerned, but again, I think I think we win this pretty handedly. But we'll see what happens. I have it handedly. Reese has it as a as a barn burner. Regardless, it's going to be a great game, Reese, and uh, we will talk more about it next week. Thank you for joining us again this week, Kansas City Chiefs fans and Taylor Swift's fans. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. And go Chiefs! Today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.